You're listening to another ambitious entrepreneurnetwork.com podcast, the voice for entrepreneurs and small business. Now, onto the show. Inspiring women, bold vision, and powerful insights to help you use speaking to build a thriving business. This is Speaker Success Podcast, brought to you by Women Speakers Association. Now, for today's show. Welcome to another episode of Speaker Success Podcast. I'm your host, Anne-Marie Cross, the podcasting queen and creator of Podcasting with Purpose.com podcast training. My guest today says there are no enemies in life. Nobody is keeping you away from money and having a lot of it. Joining me on today's show is Leslie Dubanaka. Leslie, she is the president and chief happiness officer of Leslie Inc., a management consulting firm that teaches emotional intelligence skills to drive productivity and organizational harmony. Now, Leslie grew up as part of the working poor in a Habitat for Humanity home. Her mother is a former child prostitute. She is a survivor of domestic violence and postpartum depression and anxiety. Leslie is a gifted intuitive, and since 2008, she has helped over 30,000 professionals advance their careers and increase their network worth as a career and executive coach. Now, on today's show, Leslie is going to share how to understand the beliefs that are holding us back from financial business success. She's going to help us discover how the money formula can change your relationship with money as well as how the money formula has helped Leslie personally and of course her clients. So welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Anne-Marie, I'm happy to be here. Before we pressed record, we were having a chat about how many women in business and women leaders, when we start talking about the topic of money, kind of go glazed eyes and, oh, you know, money topic, I I leave that up to my bookkeeper, my accountant and so forth. Yet, uh, you know, I'm sure you're passionate about really sharing the message, educating women so we can better make informed decisions and retain control over what's really important when we're running our uh, business especially but also our career what was it that attracted you to to this industry well i have to say i've been doing this for over 10 years now helping professionals in their careers i started off as a career coach in 2008 in the global economic crisis helping professionals from all over the world during one of the most difficult financial times in history and i realized This wasn't just about storytelling or branding. It was about salary negotiation. And that's really where I hit my stride and helped so many people navigate the conversation around their value and their purpose and the job and align that with salary negotiation. I was doing that successfully, helping professionals go all the way up to the upper echelons of global companies. But I had one dirty secret. I wasn't helping myself make more money. No matter how much or how hard I worked, how many more clients I took on, I could not break a financial threshold. And I realized that it wasn't just about salary negotiation and those other difficult conversations we have about money, but in fact, it was how I thought and felt about money. And many of those beliefs I had, which I discovered, were rooted in my childhood. Yes. And that really beautifully segues into helping us understand the beliefs that are holding us back from financial success because we may very well be taking the right action steps, listening to the right people such as yourself, 
and taking the right action, as I said. However, there's something that is holding us back. Do you find often the first step in this process to, to healing and moving forward is really having a, an awareness of what are the beliefs that we are holding? Do you find that many of us don't really take the time nor are aware that some of those beliefs are the ones that are holding us back? Yes, I think the easiest place to start is that all the things you want and all the things you're doing are not adding up. <laughs> That's the very first place. If you're doing everything you can and you're still not getting the results that you want, there's yeah. there's some disconnect there. And that mm. is the start of that awareness going, hmm, maybe there's something else that I could be doing. Yes. Um, or more importantly, something that I need to know about myself and how I think and feel about my worth, my net worth and then start taking those steps. Yeah. So when you identified, you know what, I think there's something here far deeper than the actions that I'm taking because they're they're all moving in the right direction because obviously the clients you were saying were having incredible success. So what were some of the things that you started doing once you start exploring? Okay, there's something around those beliefs because for some people today, the fact that you've just said it, is there a list between where you want to head, the goals that you have versus where you are now? For some of us, there's a lot of things that have yet to be achieved. So what are some mm -hmm. things that we need to start doing and become more aware of? Well, I talk in my book, The Money Formula, about just going into your first thoughts and feelings about money. For example, I talk about how I thought about money and I instantly felt guilt. I could be going grocery shopping or I'd be at the store and have more than enough money in my bank account, but I've had this impending sense of like doom and guilt mm -hmm. and feeling bad about just going shopping. And if you notice yourself feeling that way, it's time to go into those thoughts and feelings. And, yes. I, and I ask people in this protocol that I created, it's seven steps, you can do it in 15 minutes or less, is to evaluate every word in your financial dictionary. Mm -hmm. And as you said earlier, before we were recording, many of us avoid, run away from, um, don't want to talk about those things, but it starts by going, okay, how do I think about money? Or how do I think about credit cards? Mm -hmm. How do I think about salary negotiation? How do I think about mortgage, divorce, alimony? Mm -hmm. um, there's many people out there who think uh, alimony and they, and they go crazy. <laughs> so it's obvious to see that there are emotional connections to those words that we have. Yes. And if you begin to retrace your steps, you'll find that they're rooted in childhood and you'll start to go back to your own childhood and notice how your parents thought about money, mm. how they behaved with each other about money. What were their conversations like? And you'll find that we often copy those patterns and make them our stories when in fact, they're not even our stories at all. We mm. don't even really truly have any connection to our parents' connection, but because we grew up seeing that, we just learned to believe, oh, okay, well, that's how my relationship with my money should be modeled. So it yes. really is looking at those childhood patterns. And many people just don't know how to ask the right questions. And that's why I wrote the book to ask those key questions. Yes. Well, let's dive into discovering how the money formula can change our relationship with money because I'm sure after just hearing us speak in the in the beginnings of this podcast interview, people are starting to think more about money and instantly this feeling is welling up. I can sense it, you know, the, at almost all of the things and for some of us more negatively than others. So let's help people start to recognize the steps so that they can change that negative relationship with money. What's the money formula? 
Well, the money formula, I'll give you a great summary of it. I won't go step by step, but I want you to just begin by thinking of the word money. And when you think the word money, it'll have a set of words or um, a picture in your mind. For example, one of the men in the book named Albert, when we said the word money, he saw this picture of his parents house and they had a tennis court and you know they were pretty well off mm -hmm. and so it took him on this journey so we do this first thought first image and then the first feeling and for him it was a conflicted feeling he felt oh money means nothing in the grand scheme of things but at the same time it feels out of control why so we went deeper into his memory and his memory had to do with his father having an antique sports car and he was in it and his dad said don't touch anything and when his dad um, turned away he was four years old he put the car in neutral and the car started to go into reverse and he fell out of control and as we went deeper into the memory we were able to see that he saw that money was great but it, he fell out of control because of that moment mm. of being a four-year-old he made that connection of excitement and fun and toys to oh out of control i need somebody to um, watch my choices and to mm. monitor me and in fact we went and noticed the patterns in his adult life and he was still the child and his wife played the dad so whenever he wanted to do something get you know get a get something nice or a toy or something for himself he'd have to email his wife first for permission so <laughs> these are the types of patterns that this man albert in the book noticed and we said okay what's the belief that you took from that was that okay in order for me to have fun with money i need to have somebody to rein me in and so then we then asked well what's the new belief here he says well i'm a i'm an adult I am responsible with money and I don't need to ask my wife for permission or make her be the bad guy yes. when it comes to financial choices. I don't need to put that burden on her. Mm -hmm. um, so he learned to believe a new belief about money and that instantly just through that raised awareness, oh, I'm not this four-year-old boy out of control who needs his daddy mm. to um, rush in and save me from my irresponsible behavior, but I'm an adult, I'm in control, I'm conscious, I'm aware, and I'm good at making financial decisions. Yes. I don't need to put my wife in that um, position anymore, and our marriage can be better because of it. Yeah. So yeah. we have no idea of the patterns that we have in our lives that we've modeled from our childhood mm. and how they're affecting all sorts of relationships. Mm -hmm. it, it's interesting because obviously he was reacting in a certain way and taking certain behaviors which were driven by that belief which was created as that young four-year-old child. And by the way, I, I, I just have to ask, what, was the car damaged? Was it okay? Yeah, <laughs> it was totally fine. His yeah, that's right. But he still, yeah, but still, as a four-year-old child, there was a significant emotional event that tied that together and he brought that through, right through teenage years, right through to, to now adulthood. So once then he was able to identify that, he was able then to create or, or design for himself a new belief which was far more empowering, enabled him to then change the relationship or what he was thinking about money. Often in any change and transformation in this instance, you know, your, your thoughts and beliefs around money, it can take a little bit of time. Do you find often too that we give up? We tr it's like tr changing an, a new habit. You know, New Year's is coming up soon and, and many of us will be looking at the new year thinking this is the change that I want to make. 
and then within January, you know, end of February, some of us would have just allowed those new resolutions to, to go by the wayside. So speak a little bit about the, the patterns and, and changing them for the better that we need to consistently uh, continue to take action in the right in the right way. Does that make sense? Speak a bit more about oh, that because yes. it's so yes, powerful. Yes, yes Anne Marie. This is the perfect time if you're listening to this to really think about your financial hygiene. And I just did an event with the charity that I work with, and it's a partner, Homestart, and we did uh, an event at Communities in Action for them, which is a sub-program underneath them. And we worked with women who are severely underprivileged. They are living in one of the poorest neighborhoods in San Diego, and it's not just for a lack of financial literacy we notice it's also financial habits and hygiene how many times do we see our parents sitting down at the beginning of the year and saying hey how are we going to make more money next year most of the time we have seen our parents fighting about at the last minute how we don't have any money mm -hmm. and whose fault is it and those kinds of conversations are a part of our hygienes and it comes into what we've seen as children. So as long as we can begin to reconcile those thoughts and feelings about money, then it's possible to start making healthy choices and hygiene events in our lives, like sitting down and budgeting, sitting down and planning, sitting down and, and not just thinking about what I need to make today, but planning for tomorrow, what is my aspirational income? So many of us are spending our mind thinking about what we're going to do just for today mm. that we're not even thinking about next month and what our lives are going to look like then. Yes. So really examining those hygiene habits is important. And many of us have poor financial hygiene. What do the world's richest families in the world do? There's a documentary on the Johnson and Johnson family. Mm -hmm. They sit down at least once a year with their financial advisors and wealth managers, and they all plan about how they're gonna make more money. Yes. We don't do that as a majority of people on this planet. We don't. We sit too many times fighting about money. So mm. when we start examining those financial hygiene habits, first by going into our thoughts and feelings and attitudes about it, then it's so much easier. Yes, and and I can imagine one of the reasons, and you've said this a number of times in, in, the, uh, in this interview, and it's worth sharing again, because some people are thinking there's no way that I could sit down with any of my family members because it does turn into this emotional upheaval and we end up arguing. But the reason is because we're so emotionally charged. And the other person, so if you've got a spouse, who is also emotionally charged because of the way he or she was brought up and, and how her and or his parents were dealing with money, it's going to make it really hard for you to come together. So I think having an appreciation and an understanding of the other person's point of view as well as your own and coming to to uh, uh, you know an agreement where you can both move forward, but it's having that conversation and not bringing all of those negative emotions. And he said and she said, which really doesn't get anyone anywhere. What would you say then would be a really good step, first step to even start to plan, let's sit down and let's have uh, a, a clear conversation, setting some ground rules, establishing some ground rules, I think that'll allow people to start even having those conversations. What are some, some tips or insights you can share? Well, again, the first place is, especially in an intimate relationship, let's just say between our partners, husband mm. and wife, um, 
any any dynamic where you're in a partnership, an intimate one, it's really to just start telling the story about where you where you are emotionally and mentally when it comes to money. It's no joke. Many of us are are stressed. A majority of Americans, at least, are at least in some point consumed mentally about money. Over 70% of the time we're thinking about money. And that comes with a lot of negative emotions. And we just want to charge into, okay, let's budget and let's, you know, do the envelope system and, you know, let's find these other ways of doing it. But it really comes with reconciling how you feel. And the first place is to just listen to your partner about how they feel and then talk about how you feel and how you may be projecting onto your partner some attitudes about how you feel with them in their financial relationship. I talk Mm -hmm. about in my book that I gained a perspective as a small child that men are not financially responsible, that women have to hide money. And I took that into my marriage. Mm. The truth of the matter was, is my husband's always been financially responsible, never, ever put us into any financial harm's way always made good money. But in my mind, I projected onto him that he was not financially responsible, that I had to be the financial heavy, that I had to like, you know, put Mm -hmm. money aside. And that was my attitude I projected onto him. So my greatest recommendation for partners who really want to get out of a negative financial vicious cycle, Mm -hmm. if you will, of arguments is to first address those feelings and to look for those patterns and go, oh, my partner is not my parent or my caretaker, they are a unique individual Mm -hmm. that I need to start collaborating with rather than being in an ongoing conflict with about money. And then you can start dealing with some financial hygiene habits, starting small, but just really getting to the ground floor of how you feel and how you may Mm -hmm. be projecting those um, stories onto them. Yeah. This is so important, I think, because many of us who do have spouses, uh, you you know, hear about things that are going on in our business and we may be making financial decisions in our business, which are quite um, dissimilar or not aligned with what we may do within that that partnership. Or maybe we do openly discuss that. And, you know, if I look at the way in which I um, manage money and think about money, it's very different to my husband. Like he will go and search the world for a bargain. And if I want, I'm the other way around. If I see something, I know I like it, I'll buy it. So for us, it's like, oh, but once I understood that, and then what, that he's got a kind of uh, one of the, um, that he's very, very cautious. But then once he's, you know, made um, some background um, research and he's analyzed it and he feels comfortable with it, then all of a sudden he turns into the maverick and he's quite happy to move forward, which is a bit different <laughs> than me too. Now we understand that and appreciate it. Uh, you know, each, each other, we're able to come to that common ground. But one of the things I think which is so true about all partnerships, and this can be in business partnerships too, is that we can often uh, not come to, to, to terms with seeing each other's point of view and arguments and relationships can sadly uh, terminate because of the disagreements around money. So I think it's such an important topic to, to talk about. One of the things I think that is a greatest learning and a half for many of us is hearing other people's stories, what they've learned, the things that they've applied, because it's inspiring and then we can often see ourselves in other people's similarities and that there's always hope 
and possibility to change. So let's talk about the money formula, how that's helped you personally, and you might have some incredible success stories that your clients have been able to transform their relationship with money through implementing some of the, the strategies that you teach in the money formula. So share your story first, and then we'll talk about some of the clients that you've worked with. Sure. I talk about in my book how I just could not break a financial barrier. I worked so much just to make the same amount as if I had barely worked that month. And I just could not figure out why I could not break that financial barrier for myself. I did the money formula and I went back into a memory. And the earliest memory was seeing myself um, is a little little girl and my dad being frustrated as he was in the military with not being able to move up in his career and his life and so he quit and he left the military and it was really difficult for him and I just remember getting those feelings of well you can try everything and if it doesn't work then you just give up and I found myself trying so many different types of ways to make more money but them not hitting this level, which goes to another memory that I tell in the book of how I saw on a piece of paper in the kitchen, my parents' income for the month. And I remember going, oh my God, that's the financial limit. I didn't make more than what my parents made in a month. So I just got this belief that, okay, I'm, I'll never make more than what my parents make. And since I'm the wife, I learned to believe that wives make part-time income and they don't make just as much, if not more, than their husbands. And on top of that, you can try everything and then just give up. And we consumed trying to make more money and just not make more money, if you understand the logic there. So I realized in the book that I picked up a ton of limiting beliefs about money and I had to rewrite them that I don't have to keep trying different things and that it's possible for me to make more money and that just because I'm a wife, it doesn't mean that I only make a part-time income. I can make just as much, if not more than my husband. I had to rewrite those beliefs and things started to shift for me. I just saw myself taking more financial risks. I saw myself having harder conversations with people that I felt were taking advantage of me. I felt that I was expanding in my business and doing things I had never done before and making more money and with less clients. Mm -hmm. Um, So it was really a successful thing for me, but I had to come to the terms with what I had learned to believe growing up that I didn't even realize I had picked up. And many readers will find that we've got a lot of subconscious beliefs that they don't even know. Um, And that was the case for me. Yeah. Wow. You know, and in, in that instance, you we recognize that so often we are running patterns with the way that we're dealing with money that are very much driven by beliefs that we don't even know. And I love the exercise that you shared uh, when you were working with your client, Albert, you know, uh, what, what were some of the things happening and where does he want to go? And from there, we can kind of change the belief that uh, is driving us. If you think about some of the favorite clients that you've worked with, share a few of those of what was originally their money story. And once they changed those beliefs that they had around money, some of the things that they've now been able to achieve because of that. Okay. Well, there was this one um, client recently who works 
there's one client recently who works at a, a capital firm and she helps to advise extremely wealthy families, like multimillionaires and all the way up. Yeah. And she herself didn't really have a money problem. She's flush with cash in the bank account, no money. Problem was, is that she wouldn't allow herself to buy a home or adopt a adopt a dog or allow herself to enjoy that money. Mm. And we worked on her. And what we discovered was, was that she was a young girl and her mother had passed away suddenly. And she realized that she created the story of trying everything to break through these fears mm. and not actually committing to it. And what we learned was, was that this was just a story or a kind of like a drama she created in order to avoid having the home and the dog because she was afraid subconsciously that she was going to lose them anyway. Yeah. So what's the point in buying a house and having a dog if they're going to die or they're going to go away? So she realized, and it was like this most shocking realization to see her face change. It was like it changed her whole countenance. Um, to see that, oh my God, I had created this whole drama because I had this almost phobic fear that if I were to commit, I'm gonna lose it anyway. Mm. So why why put the money there? Yeah. So this wasn't necessarily about making more money, it was about using her money. And since then, she's actually made plans to buy a house in another city. She's looking for the dog. She, she, she shared with me that she's so much happier and more freer because of it. And this isn't just about making more money. It's just about enjoying your life and having the things that you love because mm. that is the definition of wealth, having more of what you love. And I'm not here to say, hey, read this book and you'll be a millionaire tomorrow. I'm saying, what does wealth mean to you? Mm. If it means being at home with your children and feeling financially secure, then so be it. If it means having 10 million bucks in the bank, okay. Mm -hmm. But it really is about having that conversation with yourself and saying, what is it that I really love? And am I uh, applying all of my energy to experience that? Yeah, so, so true. And of course, uh, I can see behind you because we're speaking on Zoom, I can see these beautiful banners that you have. And one of them that stands out says financial freedom. And I think for many of us, we that's what we aim for, isn't it? To be... Uh, be able to make the choice when we want to and and as you said earlier on when we're constantly struggling when we're constantly in worry and constantly anxious about making more money keeping the money safe that we have earned and everything in between that uh, everything that you've spoken about today will help us to change the beliefs that we have around money so that we can have that freedom and the, the levels of success, whatever that means for us uh, individually. Been such an important conversation, I think, and we've only just scratched the surface. So Leslie, share with people how they can find out more about you, how they can connect with you, and of course, get a copy of your book. Sure. Always join us at leslieinc.org. leslieinc.org. You can go right there. And if directly to the money formula is themoneyformula.leslieinc.org. You can find out more videos, see testimonial videos of women who've been on our tour, who've read the book, experienced our live events. You can purchase your copy from anywhere, Amazon, Books A Million, Barnes & Noble, anywhere where books are sold, will be soon coming audiobook. Um, and just reach out to me there, especially on Instagram at Leslie Inc. And we have a Facebook group for people who've read the book and it's called the Money Formula Book Readers Group. 
And we really welcome everyone to get the copy of the book and begin a conversation with us because it's all about the conversation. Because if you can talk about it and you can really start acknowledging those fears and those thoughts and stop making worrying about money a preoccupation and turn having money your occupation, then we can really move forward and experience what you think is your vision vision of happiness. Yeah. Well, thank you, Leslie, for uh, really spearheading this particular empowerment around women, you know, supporting them in being able to change the beliefs that they have around money, being able to realize and experience for themselves real financial freedom. Because I know so many women have dreams about giving their you know, their family uh, a, a life of freedom, whatever that may be, and impacting, you know, so many other people, uh, both nationally and even internationally as well through incredible projects. And of course, one of the ways they can do that, of course, is through funding some of those key key uh, projects. And uh, by having that financial freedom for ourselves means that we can be prosperous and abundant and, and share that with the world too. So thank you for spearheading this important topic. Oh, thank you so much, Anne-Marie. It's a pleasure. You've been listening to Speaker Success Podcast, brought to you by Women Speakers Association. If you're ready to share your message in a bigger way so you can build a thriving business, get your free Speaker Success Plan at SpeakerSuccessGift.com.